Well, 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 here we are kicking off a new year. And as we said last week in our episode number 200, this year, we're going to be focusing a lot on civics, SCOTUS cases, and all the people and institutions who are doing the work that we can get behind to support as we head into the super crucial 2024 presidential elections. But one of our philosophies is that this work has to be done in a way that's sustainable, meaning just like we can't post a black square to Instagram and say we're done. We also can't spread ourselves too thin or work ourselves to the point of irredeemable fatigue because then we also stop having impact. So to kick off this year, we're bringing you a really open conversation on a topic we don't as a society really speak openly about, women's health. Hopefully you women in particular will get a lot out of this, but we want to be clear. Women's health, which for men is often just called health, is a topic that everyone should be interested in. In particular, we want you to know that this conversation is specifically not reproductive health, which is often what women's health is solely classified as, but rather all the things that happen with our bodies related to our hormones, periods, menopause, symptoms, and basically society's lack of support. To have this conversation in partnership, we bring you the founder of a groundbreaking, personalized, online, traditional Chinese medicine company. Because if we can work to support and balance ourselves from the root causes upwards, we will be able to be more vibrant, impactful versions of ourselves for the long haul. Oh, and special bonus, you can get 15% off a three-month bundle of Cycle Balance if you go to the link in our show notes. So check it out. Welcome to the Dear White Women podcast, the show that helps white women use their privilege to uproot systemic racism without centering themselves in the process. We are your biracial Japanese and white hosts, Sarah and Misasha. All right. I'm super excited for this conversation. Would you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, everyone. I'm Lulu Chi, founder and CEO of Elix. We are the first community and platform to personalize Chinese herbal medicine online, helping you tune in to the signals of your body and discover the wisdom of holistically healing yourself. I mean, hello. This is like making every part of my body sing with joy because I have embraced traditional Chinese medicine through different times in my life. And it's really helped me. And I'm so excited to talk about this cutting edge approach to it and all the things relating to women in particular. So there is a lot of focus nationally on women's reproductive rights right now, but there's a lot less discussion about the nitty gritty reality of what women's bodies do on a roughly monthly basis to make reproduction even possible. You know, that basically women experience menses, periods, like the red tide, whatever we want to call it, right? So can we spend a few minutes talking about what's so often left out of the conversation? You know, what do women go through during their periods symptom-wise and how might that impact their life? Yeah, 100%. I mean, menstrual and hormone health are one of the most prevalent but underserved and underfunded areas of women's health. You know, it blows my mind that only 4% of healthcare research and development dollars goes to women's health when we represent half the population. I mean, just think about that, only 4%. And of that measly 4%, 65% of that goes to reproductive health. It's like, hello, we live in 2022. Women are no longer just baby-making machines, you know? And because the majority of funding goes to reproductive health, that's why women's um, menstrual and hormone health, there's so much we don't know. And yet 
ushealthcare.gov estimates that up to 90% of us experience premenstrual symptoms. So everything from cramps, bloating, migraine, fatigue, to even mental health effects, feelings of anxiety, depression, and it impacts roughly 700 million of us globally. Um, but yet there's still so much we don't know. So that's part of my journey to launching Elix is in addition to helping people discover the world of traditional Chinese medicine and the thousands of years of wisdom that can be used to help us learn more about our cycles and our bodies. It's also really adding to the conversations and the research that exists in overall menstrual and hormone health. So I, as you were speaking, I was thinking back to my time as like a junior associate at a large law firm and how debilitating having periods would be at times because I would be on conference calls and realize that, you know, my period is so heavy that I'm basically soaking through whatever products I have and I'm still on this call. And, you know, it's just the constant mental right? Struggle as well of trying to deal with this part of your life that happens every month and that is never discussed, especially in, you know, setting sort of outside of maybe like a tiny group of people. So I love that you are bringing this conversation to the forefront. And I also love the focus on traditional Chinese medicine, because like Sarah, it has been a big part of my life, especially when it comes to things like reproduction or, you know, some of my earliest memories have been around traditional Chinese medicine. So I can't wait to dive deeper into this. But, you know, I want to talk about this a little bit. We talked about sort of, you know, symptoms and stuff, but, and some listeners, like I was just describing, might already know this from personal experience, but for those who haven't, what have the treatments been like in the Western world until now for, you know, PMS or for period symptoms or anything, you know, along those lines? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And, you know, it's so funny because your story of kind of going about your day while you're bleeding on your period and that mental distraction, we posted a reel on Elixir's Instagram that was like a woman walking around smiling, drinking her drink. And the text read like, you know, just going about my day, you would never know that like a golf ball size, like flooding is happening down there that I'm suffering from these debilitating cramps. I'm just smiling, going about my day. And it's like the societal narrative that women are just expected to power through, to deal with it, to act like nothing's wrong and like uphold this unrealistic perfectionistic image that we can, you know, do it all. I think that's part of what's led to some of this like normalization of the stigma and that we don't really need new solutions because the status quo is, you know, just fine. But to answer your question, the currently up to 60% of birth control hormonal contraceptive is actually prescribed off label to manage a menstrual related symptom. So young girls as old as 10 or 11 years old are kind of being put on the pill to help with her heavy bleeding, her cramps, maybe her irregular cycles. And that's not what it was invented for. I think birth control has done great things for womanhood, but because it's being prescribed off-label for menstrual health, that's why we don't have really other solutions besides birth control, painkillers, or just sucking it up and powering through. 
And then kind of on the other end of the spectrum, I think as we grow older, women are kind of expected to have figured out her period. And so we actually see a lot of Elix community members. And I would say the majority of whom we serve are actually people in their mid to late 20s. They want to go off the pill, but there's this anxiety and nervousness because they never experienced a real period to women in their 30s. Perhaps it's postpartum period. Perhaps she's never had any menstrual issues. And then after she gave birth to her first or second child, all of a sudden her period came back with a vengeance and with hormonal fluctuations and all of this anxiety at a period in life when she's expected to juggle all these different roles from working to motherhood to being a wife, caring for her parents, you know, all these different things. And then also we see perimenopause coming earlier and earlier. And it's often not discussed how even before we hit menopause, the stress of our current lives could lead to perimenopause being almost a decade-long experience. And so on that kind of end of the spectrum, we actually see that hysterectomies are one of the most common quote-unquote solutions. And that seriously, it blows my mind, Sarah. When I learned the statistic, I was heartbroken that the U.S., with all of our wealth of resources and technological advancements, actually leads the developed countries of the world in the number of hysterectomies performed on women annually. And it's been documented, 90% of hysterectomies are elective and non-essential. And the majority of these are really for conditions of undiagnosable pain. And once we have a hysterectomy, it accelerates our transition into menopause. It's a very negative spiral. And we're hoping to start more conversations, more education, and offer really a more holistic alternative to the currently very invasive treatment options out there. Yeah. Hello. Like getting a major organ removed from your body to deal with undiagnosed pain that nobody is investing the money to actually explore and see if we can understand the reasons the root cause of is blowing my mind. And as we were talking about this idea of, you know, sucking it up and just you sort of go about your day, I think, you know, we always say, I think women have an incredible amount of power. I think women are incredibly strong because I don't mean to be glib, but guaranteed that if men actually physically understood what our bodies go through, there would be a different level of understanding about this condition called womanhood, that what we go through in our bodies to make life possible. A hundred percent. Actually, there was an experimental treatment drug, a male birth control, but in the research and development phase, men could not withstand the side effects of that birth control. And so they stopped all research on it. And it was like, you think about all the side effects of the pill that women just deal with every day, you know, from the nausea to sometimes the migraines, the weight gain and the hormonal acne. And it's just such a double standard. (laughs) That the hormonal acne. I remember behind the scenes having conversations with me, Sasha being like, dude, I'm in my forties. Why did nobody tell me that pimples come back? Like I am not into the teenage recurrence here, but it is like these things that we don't discuss. We don't know how to anticipate and normalize it. And so I think all the more reason why conversations like this are really important. And I was wondering, you know, I'm on an IUD. And so I have been one of those people who has not had a period in a really long time. And much as there were times where I want to remove like any hormonal influence on my body, there is that fear of like, 
oh my gosh, what is that going to be like to go back to having to live with that happening month after month? But I also know that over the last couple of years, we went through this pandemic. And I feel like with a lot of things, conversation shifted. So I was curious what you noticed has shifted, you know, during the pandemic or since the pandemic in terms of conversations about periods. Yeah, actually a lot has shifted. And, you know, funny enough, we launched Elix during the onset of the pandemic on March 8th, 2020. And Sarah, my own personal journey to Elix was, you know, very similar to what you had mentioned. I had been blindly prescribed the pill when I was 16 years old in the blink of an eye. I had been on it for well more than a decade. And I had all of this anxiety and fear of going off of it, but I never liked the way my body actually felt on the pill. So when I got married about six years ago, I finally decided, okay, it's time. I'm going to quit this cold turkey. And that's actually when I discovered post-birth control syndrome and my period coming back with a vengeance. And for the first time in many, many years, having hormonal acne along my jaw, my chin, my forehead, really painful, heavy bleeding. I was calling in sick to work for the first time ever. And you know what I learned is that because this is still such an embarrassing and stigmatized topic, HR Institute actually did a study that when we do call in sick, 46% of us lie and attribute it to something else because we're embarrassed to say it's our period. And because the workplace hasn't made it acceptable for women to call in sick because of menstrual hormone conditions. And that was exactly me. I was so embarrassed to be laying on the bathroom floor on one of the most important days of my career when I was supposed to be presenting at a board meeting talking about a post-merger integration plan that I told my boss I had the stomach flu. And so launching Elix during the onset of the pandemic in the beginning, it was very stressful. We had a lot of in-person events and activation plan to start more of these conversations that we quickly shifted to online. And one of the beautiful things that happened during the pandemic was because we all experienced so much collective stress due to the uncertainty, I noticed more conversation than ever before and more openness for people to really tune in and look at these signals from our body. I mean, you know, the first couple of months, we didn't know where else to go. We were all quarantined. (laughs) So it kind of became this collective reflection period. And Alex, we partnered with the Black Women's Health Imperative and other nonprofits to really host events where we can look at, you know, what is the history of women's reproductive health in this country? How does stress affect our period? How does our immune health How is that connected to our menstrual cycles? And so that was kind of the first big impact of the pandemic is just more conversation and what I call bodily awareness overall. And then the second big thing was it actually, because the vaccine had such an unforeseen impact on menstrual cycles. You know, I think the New York Times, it's been widely documented that people who received the vaccine, it led to a lot of volatility with the menstrual cycle. And it actually forced the scientific community to start looking at menstrual cycles as an endpoint for drug treatments and intervention. And it's kind of crazy saying this out loud in 2022, but This is not the gold standard for all clinical trials of new medication and treatment modalities to look at menstrual cycle impacts. And actually, up until 1993, women weren't even 
expected to be included in clinical trials across the board. So I think as a country, there's a lot of catching up we're doing in the healthcare space, but I'm an optimist at heart and I think we're headed in the right direction. I hope so too, right? Because I was also one of those who at 16 was put on birth control because of heavy periods and just told like, this is your option and, you know, trying to figure out how to deal with that. And as you were talking about all of the cycles, right, the postpartum, you know, that period return and, you know, I'm just nodding my head. Yep, that too. And now, you know, in my mid 40s, yep, that too. Like, so, but it's a conversation that I feel like we just have not been having. And I think about watching in my house, I'm the only woman in the house. And so, and when we watch sports, it's a lot of commercials, right? About men's health, you know, and a lot around Viagra or a lot around hair loss. And I was like, wow, this is great that we have this, you know, multi-billion dollar industry over here for men. And we talk not at all about women. So I'm so excited that we're having this conversation. And I want to shift a little bit to what. Elex offers, right? Because I think, you know, there's so much around the brilliance of wisdom of the ages, right? But this approach has largely been, dis- you know, in the United States, but in the West as a whole. So I would love for you to share more about that. Definitely. And my own journey to Alex is is very personal. And actually, my grandfather ran a hospital in uh, southern China in Hunan. And it was actually the hospital I was born in. And then when I was four years old, immigrated to the US. And even though I grew up with like medicinal mushroom, bone broths, and ginseng soups, and super fruit tonics, all these theories of food as they medicine long before these herbs are the health trend they are today, you know, growing up in the West, I always had a bit of skepticism of does this actually work? What is the science behind it? Or is it just something that's rooted in my culture and heritage? And, you know, I think there's this false dichotomy that treatments in healthcare is either holistic and woo-woo or grounded in science and research. So our whole mission behind Alex is how can we really bring the best of East meets West and a holistic and scientific approach to help people find the holistic solutions that really works for them? And, you know, so we launched in 2020, we have with our first treatment product, which is called Cycle Balance. It's a personalized formula for menstrual and hormone health. And we actually recently completed our first clinical trial, which shows the benefits of Cycle Balance on 15 different symptoms of menstrual and hormone health, because our menstrual cycle is connected to so many different areas of our body. And Chinese medicine really views menstrual cycles as an overall vital sign for our health and almost like a monthly report card. And so if we're doing all the right things and we're taking care of ourselves, then our menstrual cycles will come and it won't leave us debilitated. But if every month when our cycles are here, we are completely drained, we're in debilitating pain, we're unable to get out out of bed to move, we have to cancel plans, we can't go about our normal lives, then that's actually a signal from our bodies that it's time to get help or to tune in and take care of ourselves. I love that because it reminds me, I guess it's a little different, but that like book, The Red Tent, or like some of this idea of in different periods of history and different cultures, we've allowed women to take care of themselves during this vital time. And it's just a sign of our body's work. And so they treated it with more respect 
then we treat it now where you, like you said earlier, we have to power through. But, you know, even when you listed some of those symptoms, I think we've all, you know, you said you didn't call into the workplace because people either wouldn't believe you or it's just not talked about. Like a lot of times people are gaslit about the pain. And I know you just mentioned the alliance that you had with other groups as you were launching, but can we layer in a conversation here about how women of color are impacted by periods? Yes, definitely. You know, we actually see that the majority of our community here at Elix is women of color. And, you know, traditionally statistics show that women are more often gaslit and wait longer to receive pain medication, wait longer in the ER, are more often misdiagnosed than men. And those statistics are much more prevalent for women of color. And it breaks my heart when we hear these stories. Like I was recently talking to a member of our community who said that she went to 20 different doctors about her period pain. And over the years, one after another, they told her it was all in her head, that she was being dramatic, that she was making things up and that she just really needed to suck it up or she just really needed to manage her stress. And it was almost like the burden of those symptoms were put on her as an individual. And she almost felt blamed for what she was experiencing rather than, you know, in Chinese medicine, we kind of view these as signs and signals from our body. And it's part of what our body is trying to communicate with us. And so part of our mission in the education process is really helping people shift the relationship with the either annoying to debilitating symptoms, like how can we be friends with ourselves? How can we befriend our bodies? And how can we get curious about what all of this really means? And so on our website, we actually start off with a free online health assessment. We've had over 150,000 people complete this health assessment. And Chinese medicine is really about like you mentioned earlier, getting to the root cause. So how do we first figure out like, what do these symptoms mean? Is it a deficiency or is it stagnation? You know, are cycles irregular and are we spot bleeding because we are burnt out, exhausted, we don't have enough blood and chi, or is it that we are under so much stress and we have so much internal heat that there's stagnation? You know, what type of fatigue is it? What are the emotions? What type of pain is it? What are our bowel movements like? <laughs> because all of this points to what might be happening in Side. And I think why we attract so many women of color is because historically, herbal medicine has actually lived, grown up, I would say, in the U.S. in communities of color. Like when I think back to the roots of Chinese medicine, it was really brought over to the U.S. in the 1800s when the first Chinese immigrants came here to work on the transcontinental railroads. And at the time, immigrants and people of color could not access traditional, you know, biomedicine and healthcare, nor could they afford it, really. And so herbal medicine was brought over with them, and it kind of lived in the I would say depths of Chinatown and it spread to other communities of color who couldn't access mainstream healthcare until probably around the time of the 1970s when Nixon opened up formal diplomatic relationships with China and the first acupuncture schools and schools of Eastern medicine were set up. And then that's when we saw with the formal education and more clinical research into acupuncture, it's starting to become more mainstream. 
Thank you for sharing that. And I love not only the overlay of sort of the history, the length of history, right, versus sort of the, you know, the immediate, like past 40 years or so in the United States, where it's been sort of more widely accepted. And I use air quotes for widely accepted, because I, you know, I, I still hear it challenged a lot. But also like why that has thrived in communities of color due to access, right? And I think also to have someone who, you know, you were talking about how personalized this is, right? And to have someone who's not only listening to you and validating you, but making this very personal to you and not lumping you into, oh, well, it's because you are this, this is your identity. And so you are therefore this. So I think there's so much power in that. And I love that. My next question comes from a slightly selfish space because also <laughs> Sarah's already laughing. But, you know, a while ago, Sarah and I did this episode about midlife women. And I have to say that we got a lot of really positive feedback from women who were like, thank you for talking about us because this is sort of the group of women that are become invisible, right? Because you're out of, as we were talking about, there was so much focus on reproduction, right? As a woman's job. And that's in heavy air quotes too, right? That one once those years are over, you're suddenly like done, you know, you're off in some pasture, no one cares. But for a lot of us, you know, we're heading into this phase of our life, perimenopause, menopause, which you also mentioned could be <laughs> as much as 10 years in my heart just went like my face when you said that I was like, no, but this is something that I mean, up until sort of reaching my mid 40s, literally never heard a discussion about it, you know, and only in the past couple of years have I ever heard it being discussed even on, you know, something that's out of a text conversation that I have with Sarah, right? Or, or you know, something similar. So I'm so curious because you were talking about cycle balance and, you know, that hero product and, you know, going forward. And so I would love to hear, and we talked, you mentioned a little bit about perimenopause and menopause. So I'd love to hear more about what you and what Elix plans to do, you know, addressing those issues for this population of women going forward? Yeah. So actually about 25 to 30% of our community is likely experiencing menstrual and hormone health volatilities due to either the early or the onset of perimenopause. And we're really proud to support them. You know, what I think is interesting is that there's a very strong correlation between stress and hormone health. And we've all heard of cortisol, the stress hormone. One of my mentors likes to call it the cortisol steal. Like when we're chronically stressed, court, like we're so busy producing cortisol, the stress hormone, that it actually steals from the other hormones like estrogen, progesterone, that we need to have healthy fluctuations throughout the month. And Chinese medicine really thinks about hormone balance as a healthy balance of the natural up and down swings of different hormones. And I think uh, cycle syncing and how do we really tune in to how we feel the different weeks of the month is like a conversation that we're not having enough of. But as it relates to perimenopause, we see that because of, you know, so much of it is related to how we respond to stress in our life. During the, like about a year into Elix, we got a lot of feedback saying that from our community that cycle balance has really helped her with her menstrual cycles and her menstrual symptoms, but can Elix create something to support her with her hormone health every day of the month? Those feelings of irritability versus like calm, like mental clarity versus feeling scatterbrained, the fatigue that is, you know, comes either first thing in the morning 
morning or late in the afternoon, which could both be a sign of adrenal fatigue and or hormonal imbalance. And so that's when we actually created this really beautiful formula called Daily Harmony. And Daily Harmony is based on a 1,000-year-old Chinese medicine formula called Xiaoyaosan that's been clinically studied in Asia to support with both the side effects of antidepressants and also support with just a variety of anxiety and mental health and fatigue and digestion because we know that there's also a connection between the brain and the gut and how we respond to stress. And so we've received amazing reviews from that product and really helping people with kind of like the daily fluctuations. But even beyond that formula, so much of our mission is how do we inspire people to tune in holistically? And so my hope is that you know, they can, someone might discover Alex, try one of our formulas, start to feel better. And that initial feeling better becomes the motivation to discover more because I almost feel like it's overwhelming and it's stressful to even be healthy today. You know, there's all these things we have to focus on from like diet to what not to eat, to getting sleep, to getting movement, to meditating, to yoga. It feels like an endless checklist to become healthy. And so, you know, we want to make it easy for people to get started with formulas that are clinically efficacious so they can start to feel better and let that be the beginning of then diving deeper into these other practices of diet and lifestyle so that they can really make sustainable changes and shifts for themselves. I appreciate that a lot. And I, as you were speaking, it You know, I was thinking about this idea of the symptoms that you mentioned. And so many times, like I live in Colorado and people use like, you know, recreational marijuana or whatever to address those symptoms, to help themselves calm down. And what you're talking about is almost using another substance, but that would get to rebalancing your body, like really getting to the root cause of it versus masking the symptoms or just addressing it that way. And then you were mentioning this idea of there's a formula and I guess this is a two-part question. There's like a formula, but it's also personalized at Elix. But, you know, can you talk a little bit about how that works when you have a, a formula like Daily Harmony, but then also in general, this idea of personalized medicine is people start, you know, submitting their DNA samples and get them back with like personalized vitamins. I feel like we're moving in this direction of taking care of us each as individuals. How would a potential field like personalized medicine work? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, so much of Chinese herbal medicine is a more gentle approach than I would say typical pharmaceuticals, whereas it's really working with your body to correct whatever imbalance is happening. You know, that's why the first step is to really tune in to those symptoms and how those symptoms are pointing to a root cause. You know, if someone is experiencing diarrhea that could point to internal cold or dampness. And so you would want like some heating herbs to rebalance that out. But if someone on the other hand is having difficulty with bowel movements and experiencing constipation, that could point to a lot of internal heat and maybe like stuck emotion and frustration and just like so much tension in there. And so we'd want to give that person like moving herbs to help things like flow through more easily. So You know, that's kind of why everything starts with the health assessment. And, you know, I think I love 
that there's so many Chinese herbs like ginseng or reishi mushrooms that are now being popularized in the supplement world. But I think the danger of cultural misappropriation as it relates to traditional Chinese medicine is that you know, when we isolate an herb out of its synergistic formula context and how it's been proven to work, and we kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, stick it in a multivitamin uh, just to be like a marketing tactic, I think that's when people may not feel the full potential of Chinese herbal medicine. And it could lead someone to think, oh, well, Chinese medicine doesn't work because I tried this multivitamin with ginseng and it did nothing for me. And so that's kind of like when I would urge people, if you're giving the concept of Chinese medicine a try, either go see a specialist who can do a diagnostic with you, or with the licks, we've tried to expand access to people living in places where you know, a personalized practitioner may not be readily available. And it's actually fascinating, Sarah, within three months of launching Elix, we were shipping product to people in all 50 states. And some of our highest converting areas are like Oklahoma, Montana, Kentucky, Kansas, places you would not expect. And it was because people there were curious, but didn't necessarily have access to qualified practitioners. And so I would say there's probably like five key things to look for if someone wants to try personalized medicine in a Chinese herbal medicine context. Like one we've talked about is like this personalization, which Elix does with our online health assessment. The second is looking at the formulations themselves. And are they really sticking to synergistic combinations that have been proven over hundreds, if not thousands of years in traditional Chinese medicine, where we know that certain percentages and dosages of herbs work really well with others to have this intended effect on the body. The third Third is really how it's processed or created. The traditional method is known as decoction, where herbs are boiled down in nothing but water. It's like how my grandma used to put ginseng in a chicken soup so that we really are ingesting it in a bioavailable manner and using food as a medicine. And here at Alex, we actually, we boil all of our herbs down in nothing but water in a facility in Colorado. So we're using, you know, <laughs> mountain spring water and we never add in any alcohol or fillers or anything additional. We stabilize with a glycerin. So it actually has a little bit of a sweet taste. And I would say the fourth is really sourcing. Uh, we source everything organic, wild harvested. I think as herbs and supplements have become more popular, it's real important to ask how are these companies sourcing because when we do good by our bodies, I believe it shouldn't have a harmful effect on our planet. And then the fifth is really, I think, the lifestyle and education component because, you know, if you're taking herbs, but you're not really getting sleep, you're not really getting movement, you're eating like Big Macs and French fries and pizza all day <laughs> and introducing additional inflammation into your body, the herbs are probably going to have a limited effect. So I always say it's incumbent upon brands and community to supply that education. But I think this is where we think when we think about personalized medicine, this is kind of where we should go is having some type of efficacy and standards around the product itself, but then really making sure we're building in components and individuals die and lifestyle that are needed for the product to have or treatment or medication to have the biggest intended benefit. I like that because it's 
pills, potions, and, and that sort of stuff is like the American way. You want something to instantly cure your symptom, but this is a potion, if you will, but it is part of the entire package of well-being, of sleep, of social life, of rest, of all of these things. And so I like that also Colorado. And it occurred to me, this is slightly off topic, but when you said they're wild sourced and you want to make sure it doesn't harm the earth with climate change, I would imagine some of these herbs may be threatened. Like where do you harvest stuff like that? Where are those sources? And are there, is this another cause for us to get behind making sure we're living a more sustainable life so we have access to these sorts of herbs. Yeah, 100%. And we source our herbs from all over. We use over 20 different herbs and it really depends on for each herb where they're best sourced from. But one of the things that's really important for us is as we are extracting our herbs, we actually boil down each individual herb according to the specification needs. So a delicate herb like a mint, for example, it might only be boiled for one or two hours because we don't want to overheat and destroy the nutrients from the essential oils. We actually have enclosed canisters where we're capturing the nutrients from the essential oils, but then a harder root like a ginseng or a reishi mushroom or angelica sinensis, we may boil for up to three weeks with some someone going in every day, kind of agitating, stirring it around. And then we make sure that once we've extracted all of the phytonutrients, we compost the remains. So there's more of a sustainability approach there. So cool. So thoughtful. And I'm really excited that you're out here and normalizing these conversations. Cause I honestly, Misasha and I have texted, we've been friends for like over 25 years and we have texted about these things, but I would say this is the first time I've heard you get so open about such personal stuff on the show with your body. And I love that we're having this and breaking open the taboos and recording it and sharing it with everybody, because this is what we're talking about, right? We, as women, it's okay to talk about the things that are happening to our bodies. And so I appreciate you being a catalyst for this conversation. If our listeners want to learn more, where can they find you? Yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah. You can find us at elixhealing.com and elix is spelled E-L-I-X. It's the words for elixir and helix. So this idea of an ancient healing remedy meets modern science and personalized for the individual. And a funny story about the helix or the double helix is that it was actually discovered by a female scientist, but then a man took credit for it. Whoa. Now yeah. we know, <laughs> and we are going to make sure everybody knows. <laughs> I love it. Is there anything else we didn't ask that you think is important to share? You know, I think we live in such a beautiful time when we have access to so many different resources. Uh, we are actually launching a Elix kind of private chat group. Um, you can find out more about it on our social media, Elix Healing on Instagram, where we have channels set up that people can have conversations about chronic conditions like fibroids, which will, fibroids impact 50 to 80% of us. And most of us discover them in, you know, our 30s and our 40s. 40s, and it leads to debilitating pain, heavy bleeding and other issues and disproportionately impact women of color or endometriosis or PCOS. And these are conditions that often take seven to 10 years to get diagnosed because menstrual symptoms are normalized. And most women don't find out that they have one of these conditions until they go to get pregnant and have difficulties. So my hope is that if you're listening to this podcast and you learn something you, you know, like, please share this information with your friends. I recently had dinner with a girlfriend who 
you know, unfortunately found out she is not going to be able to conceive because of endometriosis. And for years, she had really painful, debilitating periods that she just thought was normal. And, you know, I think she is going to have a beautiful life without children and she's made peace with it. But I just think about how many people out there, you know, could benefit from this knowledge and information earlier on in life. You've just listened to the Dear White Women podcast with your hosts, Sarah and Misasha. Yes, we're on social media. And yes, you can hire us to do talks about our book. But the biggest thing, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter to receive our free materials. Head over to DearWhiteWomen.com to get on the list.